Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app, by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Baseball appears to be very, 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 very close to being back on some level, right? That, that's, are, are we, can we at least agree on that? Whether or not baseball, it's not officially back, but basically what happened was yesterday I said, ah, it's a, Proposal, baseball players are going to vote on it. If they don't vote on it, the commissioner is going to enact um, a ruling in which he'll say we have to have we're going to have baseball regardless. So why not just vote on it? Because you get better benefits. The problem with agreeing to those terms is it doesn't allow the players to eventually eventually file a grievance. So. Now Major League Baseball plans to hold a 60-game season. It will begin around July 24th. Needs the players to sign off on a health and safety protocol and pledge to arrive at home stadiums by July 1st to prepare for the season. Sources familiar with the situation told ESPN. Owners voted to implement a 60-game season on Monday, hours after Major League Baseball's Players Association rejected a 60-game proposal that would have included expanded playoffs and other ancillary salary bumps. After nearly three months off of fruitless negotiations, MLB opted to use their right given, uh, given to it in the party's March 26th agreement to impose the schedule of its desired length. By choosing a season of 60 games, the league will pack in as many games as it can through September 27th, the league's self-imposed cutoff for the regular season. Additionally, the 60-game season could serve as a buffer against a grievance by the MLBPA, which in the case of a potential implementation has been expected to charge that the league did not fulfill its duty to complete a full season as possible. The league would file a grievance against the union as well. There will be lawyers, multiple players, told ESPN. They expect to agree to the league's call to report by July 1st. 
and to its health and safety protocol. In other words, man, this could have been done a long time ago. Major League Baseball had this clause in its back pocket. They finally used it, and we're going to have baseball. The players are actually making less money because they did not choose the agreement that would have paid them more. Instead, that agreement would have nullified their ability to file a grievance. My take on the grievance is pretty much this. It's like when a baseball game is under protest. You ever done that when you're in Little League? Right? You ever, you ever had the, the coach that files a protest? Guy is safer out at first base. Throw the ball to the first baseman, stands on the base. You have two umpires. He appeals to the other umpire. The other umpire says, I agree with the first umpire. You're like, nope, you guys missed it. This game is under protest. Has anything changed because of that protest? The answer is no. No, it hasn't. But, but I feel like somebody needs to tell baseball what I'm going to tell baseball. And it's not the owners. And, and I understand you can sit there and go, hey, owners, they may, they, many of them are, are not just multimillionaires. Some are billionaires. These are businesses that are cash cows. Regardless of whether it is and isn't, there are many parts of baseball's finances which are really interesting. They have no salary cap, yet they have a luxury tax threshold, which allows teams... Everybody thinks no salary cap means you can just spend whatever you want. It's kind of true, but the luxury tax threshold actually makes it harder, prohibitively more difficult to spend as much as you want. On the other hand, the downside to not having a luxury tax is there's no floor. No ceiling, but there is kind of a ceiling... But there's definitely no floor, meaning you can pay your players as little as you want to pay your players. And oh, yeah, by the way, not only can you pay your players little, but then you get subsidized by the teams paying the luxury tax. So owners have created a system and been able to get over on the players in the CBA time and again and are able to make some money. Now, some teams won't make money. Not just this year, but in all years, they struggle to make money. Some markets are, t- the, the Oakland A's have no radio broadcast home. Of course, that used to be a big cash cow. You know, there's, they, they've struggled to get a stadium built. They don't own the stadium, so they don't make as much money from a, mis- a municipality-owned stadium as they would at home. But none of that matters. Owners own, right? They, many of these men and women and whoever worked their entire lives to save up money to buy because they wanted to own a professional sports team. And when you do that, you have the right to make, try and make money, not just make money when you sell it. Cause what was the point of getting this business? If I have to sell the business in order to make money, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do all things. I want to turn a profit. I want to win games and I want the value of the business to go up. Th- th- these are reasonable things that anyone who owns a business could want. Labor is really expensive in baseball. That's part of the deal. But here's what players seem to have missed. And I, I, this is a, I'm a friend of court, right? This is, please do not lash out at Gottlieb, played basketball, Gottlieb talks football, Gottlieb's doing the football and basketball are more popular thing. I love baseball. I played baseball as a kid. It was the other sport that I tried to play in high school, just time would not permit it because in California, if your high school basketball team is any good, you play in the playoffs and even the state tournament. Meanwhile, baseball starts up the beginning of February and it's just too much to catch up on. It was just too hard. Other than Dan Patrick, we actually talk more baseball than anybody else. And many times we're told like, I don't know, but if you want to talk that baseball, it's not just national radio show. It struggles with popularity, but, but you don't get that from, you don't get a pushback from me. I love baseball. I've done a segment on this network and on a previous network that calls nobody gives a Schmidt as a tip of the cap to Paul Goldschmidt, who was doing great things in Arizona and no one ever mentioned it. Why? Cause it's baseball. It's Arizona. It's a guy named Paul Goldschmidt. It just didn't work. So you're not hearing from baseball hater guy, but I think we can all admit on some level, baseball, regular season baseball is a little bit slow. Like if I'm being nice, I'd say it's a little bit slow. If I'm being mean, I'd say it's boring as sin. Now, baseball works in the summer 
and and baseball cornered the summer market and baseball's 162 games and those two parts of it are the secret to the baseball success how do these guys get paid so much money 162 games summer the 162 games don't just matter because of the gate which makes up 40% of the income but also any of these fledgling cable networks. And I'm not talking about the Fox Sports ones and the ESPNs. Obviously, they pay a ton of the bills. But these what's called regional sports networks that broadcast their games, they are innings eaters. And I, well, by innings eaters, I, you need to draw the parallel of any inning eater pitcher you have. That's what baseball does to these, these, these networks. It gives you three to four hours of content every night, hour pregame show, our post-game show. And, and most of these networks, in order to be on some level of cable, you got to have six to eight hours of live programming a day. That's all you got to have. The rest of the stuff, you can do infomercials, you can buy somebody else's show and put it on your network, whatever. You got to have like six to eight hour, live hours a day. Well, baseball sitting there going like, hey, we're going to give you five, six hours. Stretch out the pregame, do a coach's show, you know, do a post game, do a highlight show, and you're done. There's your network. There's your network. And you're like, what, is that, what does that mean? Like, um, if your network costs a dollar, which is a, a little bit high actually, but costs a dollar to, to, for a cable company to put on every time, every, and they're only in 50 million homes, right? And you're like, well, what does that mean? That means $50 million a month. A month. Without selling an ad. Okay. And many of these baseball teams own parts of their regional sports networks. So baseball is a cash cow, but it's a cash cow because it cornered the summer market and it's a volume play. It's an innings eater for cable networks, for radio, for everybody. It just sucks up a bunch of time. And is it, is it super fun and entertaining? Not all the time. It's a good hang. It's family friendly. It's outside for the most part. You can have a beer. You can talk. You don't miss much of the action, but, 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 but here's the problem. Okay. The world continues to evolve. Attention spans continue to shrink. And maybe most importantly, basketball has gotten wise to this. Wait a second. We can be just as popular and play over the summer. Summer leagues become popular. Our NBA finals, when they're in June, are popular. Why are we avoiding the summer? And baseball, this baseball deal, because it took so long for them to get it done, they're basically missing summer. Like, no, July 27th. Dude, July 27th, a lot of schools are back in session first month in August, first week in August. You got missed time. Schools are starting earlier and earlier, and you combine that with the coronavirus, which shut down so many schools, they're starting like, you missed it. You missed the window. And now when you get back into August and then into September, you're competing with basketball and football, college football. Like, dude, you have to remember what your niche is, why you're popular. Hockey had this problem, right? Hockey was wildly popular, crazy. Wayne Gretzky comes to LA and hockey is like, you know what we need to do? Let's go to Arizona. Let's go to Atlanta. Let's go to Florida. Let's go to Miami. Let's go to Carolina. Let's expand. Hockey still is really popular within the states where people grow, watch it, play it growing up. It is. In Minnesota, crazy popular. Crazy. Canada, New York, New England states. Right? If you, if you forget your core audience, if you forget the reason that you're successful, You run a very risky path for your future. So I'm happy baseball is back, but I got to warn these players. There's a really, really good chance that there's going to be challenges in the very near future to the summer audience. And you just shun the summer audience because you want to fight over the details, which you have every right to fight over. You got every right to be ticked at the fact that you're losing more money. But that agreement stipulated that you were going to lose all that money anyway, and they were going to go back on a 60-game season. So I'm, I'm not really sure what the fight... I don't really know what you fought for because it just feels like you lost early and you lost late. You know, you fought on principle. Great idea. 
but does that keep you gainfully employed? Does that make your, does that make the markets expand? Um, does, does that make everybody richer in the future? And I don't believe the answer is yes. I, I, I reserve the right to be wrong, but I don't believe the answer is yes. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jim Bowden was the GM in the uh, in Major League Baseball. Now he teaches us all about baseball, working for CBS Sports. Kind of to spend some time with us here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Jim, this is a when, not if. What what what's the holdup on baseball officially announcing they have an agreement with the players to to play? 
Yeah, I mean, look, the the owners have implemented the 60 games. I'm being told the union is going to agree with that. Uh, they, they have to go through the formality of talking to all the player reps. But my understanding is by 5 o'clock today, Eastern time, the clubs uh, will be told that the union is, is a go for reporting the spring training on July 1st. That will allow Major League Baseball to have opening day on July 24, which is what their goal is. That allows them to play 60 games in 66 days. Um, and I also, it also appears that the uh, health and safety protocols are also going to be agreed upon. There's a couple of tweaks uh, that the union still have left for that, but again, not a barrier. So it looks like uh, we've got a green light to go ahead. It's not official yet, I guess, until the union uh, notifies the commissioner's office. But uh, from my understanding, the players are happy that 60 games was implemented rather than 48 to 50, and they're planning on reporting on the first. Um, okay, so why not agree to the, like, what does the, the ability to file a grievance do really for the players? I really don't know the answer to that, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I think that they're going to have a very difficult time if they're going to try to argue the number of games that were implemented. Uh, I think when we look at the calendar right now, I'm not quite sure why an arbitrator would think we should have played more games. Um, the players wanted full prorated salaries. They got that. So I'm not quite sure what the grievance would do for that. So I kind of feel like the clubs have lived up to that March 26 agreement uh, based on what they've done here. Uh, so I really don't know the angle unless there's something we're missing. It is surprising that the union did not want to agree to the last offer. Uh, the reason I say that is they gave up $25 million in playoff pool money for expanded playoffs. They also, the clubs were willing to forgive $33 million in um, salary advances they gave players. Um, kind of a surprise. They didn't want that, so they, they walked away from $58 million um, to be able to have the right to file a grievance, apparently. So not quite sure I understand it. I mean, look, the players come away from this galvanized. Uh, they're together. If they're trying to send a message for the CBA negotiations for a year from now, they, they probably have done that. Uh, but I'm not sure that they shouldn't be satisfied that their goal was as many games as possible. They got 60, and they wanted to be paid, you know, paid at the full prorated amount. They got that. Um, I'm surprised, and I think they're going to get universal DH too. I think the clubs are going to allow the players to do that as part of the health and safety protocols. Um, so why they didn't want expanded playoffs for themselves, uh, for that extra pool money, as well as for the fans, and you have more teams have a chance to get in. I'm kind of surprised at that, to be honest with you. But again, I don't know behind the scenes if the whole concept is let's file a grievance and see if we can get the financials the clubs won't give us. Let's see if maybe an arbitrator makes them turn over revenues. You know, that could be the angle. I really don't know. I think that's something we're going to find out down the road. Yeah, it's, 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 it's curious. Um, look, I, and this is like friend of court, love baseball. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if, if, if baseball players and maybe to a less extent, baseball owners understand the reason the sport has been so financially successful. And, and this is an important point that I do think that people in my, on my side and the host side and the opinion side, they, they don't give enough credit. Baseball has been remarkably, remarkably successful financially. They have been ahead of the curve in terms of their digital properties and other people, other, other sports have tried to take from or even lease out some of the things that baseball does. That said, the biggest reason for baseball success, and you know the dollars and cents way better than I do, is you, you had the summer market to yourself, basically unopposed, and you had 162 games, so you had a volume play to make up for a bad night here, a bad season there, or whatever, because you volume play for TV, for radio money, for stadium attendance, all those other things. That's why, and you're giving that away, and you delayed and delayed and delayed until now, essentially, you, you gave away the summer. And you gave away the volume play. And now you're going to run a compacted season that's going to run in concert with basketball. And I think basketball is coming to challenge you in the future. Yeah, Doug, I think you nailed it, especially when we talk about the month of July. July is the monopoly month for baseball, right? The NBA is over. The NFL hasn't started. And that's the month where you have the All-Star game. You have the trade deadline, of, of which, by the way, you have neither this year. But it's a huge opportunity. And if baseball had been able to play July 1, and play the month of July and had exciting pennant races, 
uh, you, you might have been able to carry that over. Instead, what baseball did in June and July, with no NBA and no NHL, is you fought in the media more than any other sport, and you made people not like the sport. You, 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 you took everyone through the mud in the negotiations. You didn't negotiate behind the scenes. You negotiated with the public over millions and billions of dollars. That's not a good optic. And as you point out, now you're going to start July 24th, and you're going to have basically a week before the NBA starts up. And the NBA is going to be fun to watch in the month of August. And then football is going to start, which is the number one sport, as we know, as your ratings know on your show. It's number one. It moves the needle. So now you're going to go head-to-head with the NBA and the NFL for the rest of the year? Uh, wow. You better hope that the, the play is exciting. Uh, you better hope that you get the right teams in the postseason and that the month of October is really, really exciting for baseball, but to your point, and I agree with it, with that double red exclamation on my emoji uh, iPhone, uh, you can't give up July like you did. Dumb yeah, move. I mean, the 4th of July, Americana, baseball, nothing else on. You know, you go to a game, you're like, man, I, I, now I know, I remember why I love this game, you know? And you, between Osuna and Trout and Stanton and all these other, like, you're like, oh, I... You have so many young and or in their prime talented players. Okay, let, let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. A 60-game season played over less than 70 days. If you're – put your GM hat back on. What do you do to adjust your roster in order to try and be successful? Yeah, and the most important thing is going to be the depth that you have and being really careful with your pitching early on. You know, you're only going to get three weeks to have spring training. I went through that in 1995. Uh, we had a truncated season because of the work stoppage, and we didn't start till April 24th. We went out of the gate 3-8. and eight. We ended up winning the division. We played the Braves in the League Championship Series, but those first 11 games, we were not ready. We were not prepared, and we pushed our pitchers, which was a huge mistake. So your normal uh, pitching staff of 11 or 12 guys, what's going to be important is guys 11 to 15. You're going to have to utilize them early. You're going to have to utilize them often. You're going to have to bring along your pitchers uh, to keep them strong and as good and effective as they can be. Uh, but you also have to manage these games with more of a sense of urgency than ever before. Managers are so used to playing 162 games. They're so used to giving a, a player a day off here or there, or, or maybe not fit having the lefty face the lefty in a particular situation uh, because you're trying to keep his leg strong. There's none of that now. You get off to a bad start, you're going home. I mean, after 60 games last year, uh, the Washington Nationals would not have made the playoffs, and they're the world champions. So that, that's just the wake-up call that, look, the best teams aren't going to win. That's not what happens in the 60-game schedule. The hot teams are going to get to the postseason. So you've got to, as a GM or a manager, you have to manage that properly. Now, the other thing, Doug, that's going to be really complicated and unique is you're, you're not going to have spring training in Arizona or Florida. You're going to have it at home. I talked to Aaron Boone, the manager of the New York Yankees, yesterday. I said, how are you going to go about this? And he said, look, we're going to end up, splitting our, our group into, into two halves. We're going to start right away by playing some inter-squad games, some live BP. Uh, he said, you know, we only have the five, the five mounds, the two bullpen and then the mound, and he said we'll just stagger them as the days go on. Uh, but he said, you know, we, we don't have a choice. That That's what you have to do. So it's going to be a very unique way to try to get your players ready to go. And I, I'm going to tell you, Doug, as you know, those that know how to handle – a situation like this are going to have a big advantage come come the 24th of July. Do they have to use their home state? I know they have to you go to home parks, but I, I'll give you an example. Okay, I live 15 minutes from uh, Anaheim Stadium. So many of the Angels live kind of sporadically around in, in and about Orange County. There are so many fields, so many places that you can go and, and get work in, maybe not of the major league caliber do you have to are by rule do they have to use their home stadium only no they don't and they're not going to you know the yankees are going to use scranton their triple a affiliate uh they're going to shuttle some of the players there if there's 60 players in their pool they're going to keep 40 at yankee stadium and shuttle about 20 to scranton and so i would think the angels probably would do the same thing but as, you know where you live down there in orange county um you know there's plenty of spots that's not going to be an issue but not every city has that luxury right um, right so so it's challenging for a lot of places it won't be for the angels um okay so obviously the you, you feel like the best teams per se or the guy you know the old school way of two or three dominant pitchers and then you know bullpen 
and and a and a and and timely clutch hitting is what is what wins you in the postseason. Now we're talking about the ability to just be deep and be competitive on a night in night basis. They're changing the the extra inning rules as well to try and speed this this thing up. Just off the top of your head, who does have the best depth? Who on paper is built the best for this type of season? Well, Yankees Dodgers are the most obvious. Uh, really deep bullpens, really really good rotations. Uh, the Nationals are in a great position for this as well. But then there are some sleeper teams out there as well. The Padres have a really good deep bullpen. That's going to benefit them early. And if they get off to a good start, you know they could be a surprise team to watch. Um, Tampa Bay Rays, Oakland Athletics, uh, two more teams, really good rotations, really deep bullpens, really good defensive teams. So, uh, you know, for me, looking at it from my lens, my former GM lens would be, you know, Yankees, Rays, Oakland A's, Dodgers, Nationals, uh, perhaps the Cardinals as well, because their pitching depth 12 to 15 is really good. So those would be some of the teams, at least on paper to me, uh, that look like they're going to have an advantage when the bell rings. Jim Bowden joining us, former uh, Major League Baseball GM. You read his work, see his work on CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. Jim, what, what, and this is, I know it's an impossible question to ask, okay, but I'm going to ask the impossible of you. What does the financial landscape look like for the Mookie Bets of the league in the upcoming offseason? That's a great question. I think Mookie's going to get paid. That's, that's my own opinion. He's turned down 300 million and he's going to, I think he's going to get a deal with a three in front of it. I don't think he's going to get a deal with a four in front of it. You know, he wanted the Mike Trout range under Mike Trout, but with a four in front, Boston was never willing to go there. Uh, but I think he's going to get the three in front of it. Look, I think most free agents are going to take a huge hit, okay? Uh, but I don't think the bets in the real mutos at the top of the class, I don't think that's, that's going to take a hit. Too much talent, and there's just not enough of those guys. But I'll say in general, I wouldn't want to be a mid-level free agent, and I wouldn't be, want to be a salary arbitration eligible four or five-plus player unless I was an all-star, gold-glove, silver-slugger type of player because you're going to see a record number of non-tender players and you're going to see a lot of free agents not get offers because the economic impact of this pandemic is well beyond what everyone is thinking about right now. And as, as they were trying to argue over trying to get this deal done, they were all missing the big picture of 40 million unemployed and the yeah. damage that you did to the game and what that's going to mean in ticket revenue going forward. So, again, I think it's going to be challenging for most players, but for Mookie, Mookie's going to get paid. It's a, it's a great point you make that I've talked to people in all sports at the administrative level, and they've said, like, look, we don't know how many people come back to stadiums, not just because of the fear of the virus, but if they can afford it. You know, like, you eliminate... 40 million people from the workforce, guess what they're not going to, they're not going to turn off their TVs or the cables or whatever they're streaming is. They're going to cut out the ancillary spending, which is, you know, and, and I don't know if you saw this, but, but the greatest uh, percentage uh, of, of change in, uh, in spending is with the, the top earners, right? The people who can afford the boxes, the best seats, they're spending less now. They're being more and more cautious. And those are the people you need to fill up the seats in your stadium to fill up the boxes. So it's going to be, uh, really, really interesting. Jim, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate listening to you, getting information, learning about the sport that you were so great uh, in working in. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Doug. Uh, it's Jim Bowden, MLB GM, executive of the year when he's an MLB GM. Of course, you can read his work in The Athletic. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I was listening to Chris Sims earlier today. Um, a clip of what he said was from another radio show was played, and he had Matt Ryan as the seventh-ranked quarterback in the National Football League. And I, I know what happens is we're we're going to do this thing that you're going to be up so up in arms that you're like, I can't believe Matt, and I, and then you start to catch your breath and realize who Matt Ryan is. And realize who he plays for. Did, did did you guys know that the Falcons never had back-to-back winning seasons till he got there? That they never had back-to-back ten win ten win seasons till he got there. Do you, do you guys know that this this is actually what took place? Like the the we think of the Falcons because Mike Vick was cool and talented and and won and won on the road in Green Bay as a, on a wild card game that the Falcons were always, they were awesome. And then Matt Schaub replaced him and then eventually Matt Ryan and they've been good. But he has been the picture of stability in a very unstable franchise. I'm not going to tell you that the Falcons were good last year. The fact is the Falcons were not. They were seven and nine. I am going to point out that the Falcons finished the season winners of four consecutive games. And while those games may not be impressive to you because they beat the Bucks in overtime and the Jaguars last two games. They beat the Niners on the road. Right? They beat the Niners on the road. Beat the Saints on the road. And that was after kind of a come to Jesus. They went through a, a six-game losing streak in the middle of the year. And it was mostly, mostly their defense. Offense wasn't great against the Rams. Offense wasn't good against the Titans at home. But they gave up 53 to the Texans, 37 to the Rams, 
And when they lost six in a row, they they completely changed, put offensive coaches on defense, defense coaches on offense, changed completely what they're doing. And the team turned it around. The team won six of their last eight. Of those six wins, four were on the road. Of the four road wins, one was in San Francisco, one was in New Orleans. Those are the two toughest places to play. But I, I'm not even going to take last year as just a snapshot of Matt Ryan. I would contend that if you were really honest about it, you would think Matt Ryan is an average quarterback, middle of the road. His numbers tell you otherwise. In 2016, he won the MVP. They went to the Super Bowl. He, they were up 28-3. to They chose to keep slinging it, and they ultimately lost to the Patriots. Is that on him? Sure. But he did have a great year, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions. The next year, his offense coordinator left. They struggled. He turned the ball over too much, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. In 2018, it's like people have so quickly forgotten, 35 touchdowns, seven interceptions. And last year, the interceptions were up 14 with 26 touchdowns. The point is, this guy slings it. He's never hurt, solid as the day is long, good player, capable of leading you to a Super Bowl. And the truth is, they could have won the Super Bowl. When you're up 28 to 3, do you need to keep scoring to keep winning? Yeah, I guess you do. And he made some, he, 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 did, he did not make some of the best plays in the world. And they did not call some of the best plays in the world when they had that lead. And ultimately, that's going to change his career trajectory. But go through the list of quarterbacks that you like and find one in the type of franchise and division that they play in that's been as consistently um, successful. Matt Ryan's a damn good quarterback. Matt Ryan's a top 10 quarterback. Is he seventh? I don't know. Everything's subjective. But okay, I'll give you Carson Wentz is better. Nobody else in the NFC East has proven themselves to be more successful you can say what you want about Dak Prescott, but Dak Prescott has never been mentioned in, nor should he have been mentioned in, the candidacy for the MVP. Okay, so you got Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz has won, what, one playoff game? So Matt Ryan's achieved more. I would tell you Carson Wentz is better. In the NFC North, Matt Stafford's thrown for a ton of yards, but they don't win anything. Chicago has two quarterbacks, which means they don't have one. Kirk Cousins is good. He's fine. He won in New Orleans. So did Matt Ryan last year. And the Green Bay Packers have Aaron Rodgers, who's got crazy arm talents, a better quarterback. The Saints have Drew Brees, not the same guy he used to be, historically better right now, probably not better than Matt Ryan. Tom Brady, obviously more successful, but didn't have a better year than Matt Ryan last year. He's just won more games and has had a far better career. Would you take him ahead of Matt Ryan right now? I'm not sure the answer is yes. We'll see. And the Niners have Garoppolo, who's capable of the big mistake. Russell Wilson, who I'd tell you is better. Go to the AFC. Patriots, no. Bills, no. I love Sam Donald. They finished 7-2, and two, but their wins at the end of the season are a lot like Matt Ryan's wins at the end of the season. Dolphins, not yet. Lamar Jackson, how long can you sustain that? He's won MVP. So has, uh, uh, so has Matt Ryan. Ben Roethlisberger's had a better career. Didn't play last year. We have no idea what he's going to be looking. Nobody else in that division. Deshaun Watson, better. Deshaun Watson has flaws, but better quarterback. I have no argument. I'm not going to argue that. Matt Ryan's more solid. Deshaun Watson's more spectacular. But outside of that, nobody else in the AFC South. Pat Mahomes, better. Nobody else in the AFC West is better than Matt Ryan. I tell you, Chris Sims just about nailed it. Seventh, fine. But for whatever reason, because Matt Ryan is kind of blah, Maybe it's because he did have some uh, some tough interceptions this year. He had some bad interceptions going back to two years before, two years ago, or before he got Kyle Shanahan. He had a bit of an up and down career. The guy never misses a start. The guy's deadly accurate. The guy's a good leader. He's well respected in the locker room. Is he the best player on earth? No, no one's arguing that. But outside of Mahomes and Rodgers and Russell Wilson and the absolute greats of the game. He's in any conversation with other guys you'd like to have run your franchise. My contention to you is that Matt Ryan becomes kind of that most overlooked, um, underrated player in the National Football League. And I think when I say Matt Ryan and say, where do you rank him? You'd automatically go, I don't know, 12 to 18. And then you start to go through teams and you're like, 
yeah, he probably is a top 10 quarterback. Their defensive ranking the last six seasons in points per game, 22nd, 25th, 8th, 27th, 14th, 27th. When they finished 8th, top 10 in defense, do you know what that coincided with? They went to the Super Bowl. Imagine that, right? Last year, 26 and 14. Why did he throw 14 interceptions? Because 27th in points allowed. Because the guy's got to make up for the flaws of his defense, so he forces some things. It's the reality of it. This is what Tony Romo told me a long time ago. Like, you don't have a top 10 defense, you're not going to Super Bowl. Case in point, the Atlanta Falcons. So I'm not anointing him the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm not putting him in the conversation of Aaron Rodgers. I do think Kyler Murray's got a ton of talent. And Russell Wilson's obviously shown himself to be better uh, in, in the long term. But you could do a lot worse than Matt Ryan. A lot worse than Matt Ryan. And it's interesting because his name, for whatever reason, never gets brought up among the tops of the game, which may be fine by him. He's like, I mean, I already got paid and I'm, I'm good. Coming up next, sooner or later, you're going to have to realize, going to have to realize this, okay? And this is a really, really important thing that you got to pay attention to. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to Stan, the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. His podcast is Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. He, he's Jeff Schwartz. Uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts on, especially football players, getting back after Tom Brady holding private workouts, even though the medical director of the MF, NFLPA is telling them not to do so? Well, of course they're going to do it because the season starts, at least training camp starts in like four weeks, man. I mean, these guys are feeling the itch of needing to get ready for, for training camp and they're going to do what they can to, to fulfill that need to get ready. Look, if you're not ready to play and you have a bad training camp, and Tom Brady's extreme example is he's not really going to have a bad training camp. Let's say you're a, you know, a, a mid-level player and you have a bad training camp because you're not ready to play and the team cuts you. Are you then allowed to tell the team, hey, guys, you know the PA told me I couldn't work out as a group. I'm just, I just didn't really work out very hard. Of course not, right? So guys are continue to work out. They're going to try to do it as safely as possible, but guys are not going to stop working. If this was March, yes, I think you'd have guys stopping. But right now, the season is four weeks away from training camp. Guys are, are preparing like they're going to play in four weeks. This is something interesting that I just thought of. It's, it's one of the things, the arguments that I make against the college guys are forced to do things on campus that they don't want to do, right? You know, it's like, you know, we, we, we got we to gotta go work out every day. We got to go, like, You'd be working out every day at home anyway. <laughs> what are we? What are we really talking about? You're only doing so under proper coaching with proper technique and better facilities. So that part kind of goes out the window. Um, okay. So what are your thoughts? We, you, and I have had some texts back and forth about it. A good portion of college football is they're they're testing their student athletes. You got. Clemson popping up, I think twenty three positives. Houston closed up shop because they had like eight positives. Indiana has no positives. Pac-12 has been a slow rollout. What's, what's your observation a week or two into college athletes being back on campus? Well, we expected positive tests. I mean, I think there's no way around it. I don't know how you, you – know, I know Indiana said there's no positive test. Notre Dame had one or two, and you know, the Pac-12 schools have slowly rolled in. I think only Colorado has had positive tests so far out west. Look, it's going to happen, and it's just a matter of how these teams are doing it. Some teams have waited to test so guys are almost – in contact with each other, right? Like they're not doing it. I think, I think even thought today, Kentucky hasn't even like tested their kids yet. Like you have to do it the right way. You have to be able to test and then get the results back and then let your kids back on campus to start working out. And I, I think I forget which school it was that said like, they're going to, um, to basically, you know, it's like a no going out policy. And, and, and if you violate the the team rule of not going out to a bar or a club that they can revoke your scholarship. I mean, that just sounds silly, right? I mean, I don't know how you how you tell kids not to go out. Also, once they're off campus and away from the building, I don't know how you can regulate their life like that. There's other, there's other ways to do that, by the way, which is scheduling early morning workouts. That's a way for, for most players to not go out the night before. Um, but it, it's just going to happen, Doug. It's just a matter of, of can – we get to training camp in a month and have most of your players healthy and ready to go. I'm more concerned about the coaches getting sick and the equipment guys getting sick and the trainers than the players, right? The, the data is showing that the players, while they can, they can easily get sick, most are asymptomatic, and most are not going to have life-threatening, um, you know, life-threatening illness from COVID. Now, we don't know, disclaimer there, we don't know long-term effects of COVID on, on your body, but in the short term, but the coaches and the equipment staff and and the support people, they're the ones I'm more concerned about getting sick because they're the ones who are in the age group that COVID can be deadly for them. Yeah, and and uh, but on the other hand, if they're at home, you know, they run the risk of bringing that back into their families and to their parents Correct. and grandparents who are also in that. So it's it's almost a, a damned if you're doing, damned if you don't. 
It's not perfect. And, and look, I, I have very, various reasons why I want football back. I mean, just selfishly, I want to have work. I mean, I feel like if there's no football, a lot of us don't have work and I enjoy uh, playing, but I, I mean, uh, watching, I didn't enjoy playing. But I think for me, I, I've always felt that football, by the time we got to September, would signify, you know, life is sort of getting back to normal. And I hate that term new normal, but that might be what we are in kind of right now. And if we couldn't figure out from March into until September how to get us back on the field as, as football players, then really, in my mind, we have failed, right? Like, like we have not been able to handle the – in six months, we, we couldn't find a way to get football back. So football to me coming back has been like, okay, some normalcy is returning. Look, look the, 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 the NBA should be back soon. Baseball finally got their act together. Like, that feels to me like, okay, I know people are getting sick still. I know it's not perfect. Um, it's not going to be perfect maybe ever. But football coming back would be like, okay, we, we have some normalcy back in our lives. Even if there's no fans in the seats, limited fans, we have half the season, whatever it is, I just have rooted for football to be back because it feels like, like we have some normal life again. No question about it. I, I, I agree with you. Um, I went through quarterback. Chris Sims said that Matt Ryan is the seventh best quarterback in the NFL. And what happens when you say that is people go, whoa, 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 Matt Ryan's like average quarterback. And then you start to look at it and take a breath. And while you wouldn't put him in the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes variety, um, I don't think seven's too high or too low. It's, it's right around, like we can argue numbers-wise, guys, the MVP, and their season has been, in terms of success, has been directly reflective of if their defense is the only time they had a top 10 defense, right. they go to a Super Bowl. Yeah. You played against him. You covered yeah. the NFL. How good is Matt Ryan? Uh, I think he, he, he can be really good. Obviously, we only won the MVP. I, I'm a big fan of, of a tier system when we rank players because sure. you know, once you get past the top tier, I mean, then, you know, is he, is he seven or is he 10? I, I don't quite know. But I think right. he's I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I think he's in that second-tier quarterbacks. Maybe sure. it's the back end of that second tier, but you're right. They have play, The Falcons have won or lost games really on their defense, which Dan Quinn is a defensive coach. Like, dude, that's your, that's your baby. He's failed a lot of draft picks in the first round on that side of the ball. They've had injuries as well. Um, but Matt Ryan, look, they, they drafted offensive line last year. They have all the weapons. He can be really good. He plays inside, obviously. I don't think he gets the love because he's not a – a supremely gifted athlete, right? Like he's not a runner. His arm, I wouldn't say, is he's not the greatest arm talent. I think he kind of gets lost in the NFC South with Breeze as well. And obviously Cam is now gone, but now Tom Brady's in, in Tampa Bay. Matt Ryan's really good. He doesn't get the credit he deserves, I think, for all those reasons. Okay, so here's, here's an honest question. Cam Newton and him both played and lost the Super Bowl. Cam Newton and him were both MVPs. Who's, who's had a better career? Oh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> wow, they've had, they've had different careers. Um, I mean, Matt has had, I think, sustained, you know, he's been two, he was 2007 draft, I believe. So he's been, you know, had a longer career, been healthier. Um, you know, Cam Noon, obviously, his ability to use his arm and his legs is so unique. I mean, I think that, that just that talent alone, something that we really don't see. In the NFL, that size, too. Guys, he's not a defensive end. Like, he's not, he's not Kyler Murray, right? I mean, he is He's six five, like two thirty five. He's huge. Um, I, I think probably Matt Ryan, but it really is not a slight on Cam at all. I just think that you know Cam has, hasn't been healthy the last year and a half. Matt's played since two thousand seven. I think virtually every game. Right? Has he missed many games for for health and here and there? Three you know, games Matt's in his career. Started a game. Yeah, three, three games. So probably in his Matt career. Ryan. I mean, it's just it's just it's just longevity, really. I mean, I think Cam. Well, Cam longevity. Well, hold on. I mean, like, look in terms of completion percentage, it's not close. In terms of interceptions, it's not close. Um, I'll, let me check out win-loss record. Uh, Matt Ryan is 109 and uh, – was it 109 and – 109 and 80, okay? Right. He's 109 and 80. Cam Newton, in comparison, of course, Cam Newton um, is 68, 55, and 1. So kind of right. similar, kind of similar. Yeah. Obviously, the peak of Cam – also coincided with a great defense, but the peak of Cam was an MVP of 15-1 season. Uh, they never led in that Super Bowl, but um, and, and you're and 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 as much as Cam Newton had been banged up, he hadn't actually missed a bunch of games until last year. 
which is interesting, right? right? He missed that, that, that half of that season injured, which is silly. But I, mean, I know what right. he was, I mean, they were good right. with, right? The, with, the, with, the, with the bad shoulder. I think the difference yeah. is, I mean, like, look, a fifty-nine and a half percent completion percentage as opposed to sixty-five percent completion percentage that you make up for it with the fact that he's been able to run and been a dominant runner. Yeah. I don't actually think it's all that close, but okay, I would I agree with you, Matt Ryan. It's if you told somebody Matt Ryan or Cam Newton better career, people would say Cam Newton, and you're like, yeah, not really, not really. And I I do think he benefits from playing in the dome and hides some of your arm strength, but I also think arm strength can be massively massively overrated. I, I think he he's he's hurt by his inability to run, but I think running can be really overrated because I, I it agree. gets you hurt. I, I, I'm one with you on the running part. I, I think the mo, you know, pocket mobility is just, we, we use, we say the word running too much, in my opinion, yes. but the, the, we should use mobility, right? Like, yes. like even, even Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is not really a running quarterback. He attempts to run the ball, and he's done far less in his career as he gets older. He actually does far less in the playoffs, by the way, because that's what he, you know, you, you win from the pocket. He can throw, he can run if he has to, but that's not what his goal is. His goal is not, is not to run the ball very often. So, I like the term mobility. Matt Ryan is mobile enough in the pocket. That's what matters. Yes. Um, Jamal Adams, you're the Jets. What do you do? I mean, I think you keep him. I, 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 I know that people, and I'm, and I'm as big of a player's advocate as, as anyone out there, but like, he's under contract and you want, you know, you're in this weird mode if you're the Jets where you're, you're sort of rebuilding, but you sort of have a window now with Tom Brady gone where you can maybe attack and, and, and find a way to try to get in the NFC, excuse me, the AFC East picture. And Jamal Adams is a player that you hope is part of that core, right? Of that young core of Jets players. So I would keep him. I, I, I mean, I love for Jamal to get his money and go to Dallas and be happy. But if you're the Jets, why would you? He has no choice. He either plays or he doesn't play. If he doesn't play, then he just, I guess he just sits out or he shows up in week one and he plays for you guys and he helps you win football games. I, I don't think the Jets are obligated at all to get rid of him. I think they do keep him. Um, okay, Dak signs a franchise tender. Why do you think he signed it now? Um, a couple of reasons. One is I think maybe the negotiations just won't go anywhere with the Cowboys, and he just decided to sign and get his guaranteed money. But I also do wonder if, you know, is he testing positive for COVID and some other NFL players testing positive as well? You know, got Dak thinking about, hey, man, if I tested positive – would the Cowboys pull my franchise offer? Because they can still do that. You know, would they pull my? Actually, I don't know if they can still pull it, but um, I do wonder if that was in his mind. Like, hey, let me just sign this tender, guarantees my money, and I'm guaranteed for thirty million dollars. And no, you'll know if I don't play this year. If there's some shenanigans, I get my money, and I'm not worried about um, uh, not having a deal. I'm not sure they could pull it still. I know July 15th is deadline, so maybe that's the deadline. But I do wonder if. If Zeke testing positive changed his mind about just getting under contract, at the, you know, at, at the you know the quickest he could do it. How's the pool? It's good. I'm looking at it right now. They uh, they almost finished the limestone around the edges. We're getting trees on Thursday. Some landscaping going on. So uh, nice, man. I'm glad. I'm glad. I went golfing on Father's Day, and I just it was so hot. It was like 90 plus degrees. I just got home, jumped in the pool. It felt great. Should have taken off your clothes first. Although maybe not. I don't know. No, I did. No, I. I, I mean, I, I. mean, I was in. I took my clothes off. That's the appropriate thing to do. You play. But you yeah. played a full eighteen, right? I get to fourteen and I get that golf add, and I'm like, hmm, how close are we to the clubhouse? Full eighteen, no problem. Well, we played. We played skins on the back nine, so I didn't have to shoot every. I didn't have to shoot every single time. But that kind of kept things very because you played for money. Kind of kept things very interesting. But it's the first time I played golf in a year. I. Surprised I made it that long, honestly. I'm with you. Like, about hole 12 and 13, it's like, all right, can we just, like, wrap this thing up? Yes. That's why you crack the beer and you try and keep them flowing. And then you go like, all right, well, I'd like to go now, but I need to sober up before I get to get to, get to my car <laughs> or if we get to that next exactly. cold one at the, at the clubhouse. May the Schwartz exactly. be with you. Thank you for joining us. All right. Take care, Doug. Jeff Schwartz. Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. Is a very good podcast. You should download it. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.